You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in rubber and roof waterproofing. Joining me now is uh, an old friend of the show. Not that he's old. I wouldn't want to say that. But he is, in my estimation, South Africa's foremost criminal profiler, and that is Dr. Gerard Labaskachny. Gerard, very good afternoon to you. Hi, thanks, Chad, and welcome to uh, all the listeners also. So, Gerard, something uh, a lot of our listeners are unaware of is the work that you're doing through an organization called AFATAP. And AFATAP mm. is an organization that... And I'm going to let you give us further information. My understanding is it helps to identify and not necessarily neutralize, but put into place a way of being proactive and perhaps reactive should threats occur specifically in the workplace. And it's a sister body to very similar organizations throughout the world. So take us through a little bit about what AFATAP does. Hmm. So I kind of got into the world of, of threat assessment now, as I was coming towards the end, what I didn't know then was the end of my policing career. We started to do more and more threat assessments. So in other words, looking at situations before something bad has happened, but somebody's concerned about safety. You know, we, do, we used to see that in stalking cases, domestic violence cases, but in, a lot of corporates actually started to contact us and say, you know, we've got some weird communication uh, directed at our CEO. We're not quite sure what it means. Can you have a look at it? So I got more and more in the world of threat assessment. And... um and I realized that this is, in a way, a lot more rewarding because I'm helping prevent something happen by properly looking at what we're dealing with and developing a plan to make sure that that concerned actually doesn't realize. So, you know, I started to go to other conferences that, you know, you know the United States, they've had the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals sure, for many years. And, you know, the Canadians then started up the Canadian Association. And then the sort of Europeans started up the European Threat Association. And and over the years, going to the various conferences and learning and meeting amazing people, and they kind of said, well, when are you guys starting up the African Association or the South African Association? And it kind of felt with, you know, it wasn't really something that had been established yet in South Africa. You know, you know most people, if you spoke about things like workplace violence, they would say, we don't have that. We don't have mass shootings. And I kind of equated in like workplace violence as these mass shootings. But, you know, trying to then educate people to say, but you know what, it's, it's any time that one of your employees is worried about their safety. You know, that could be from a customer who said something that makes them feel uncomfortable or directly threatened them, you know, to a fellow worker who's saying things that make them a bit worried about their own safety or even for that employee's safety if they're making, making, possibly making suicidal comments. So, um, and as time went by and we started to get sort of interact with a lot of local companies who said, wow, you know, we should really take this further and I said, well, hey, you know, we've been asked to try and get up an association. Would you guys be interested in kind of giving sort of corporate backing to it? And that's eventually what happened by sort of mid-2019, you know, after a lot of the companies like Absa and Oak Mutual and Coca-Cola that we've been interacting with, we said, let's do this. You know, let's get this, let's set, let's get this thing going. So we had a meeting probably in about July 20, 2019 where we invited a whole bunch of people from various corporates and, and security companies saying, what do you guys think? Do you think this is a good idea? Should we start such an organization? You know, would we get your support and backing? And then the kind of unanimous voting was yes. So that was kind of how mid-2019, we, we kind of got the, I suppose you could say the sort of formal go-ahead, you know, proceed with this. And then we started to get things in motion. 
we hoped to have our first conference in uh, 2020, <laughs> and we had got amazing funding from 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 ABSA um, to actually do an in-person conference. And of course, COVID had its own ideas, so we kind of you know devolved down to having sort of our first online conference in 2020, sort of November. And actually, we're having our next conference, which is a face-to-face conference next month. And that's kind of where it came from: the sort of us having this passion for really wanting to help companies and organizations, big or small. You know, we're doing, in fact, I'm actually doing some training tomorrow for a large private um, education company here in South Africa where we're having about 80, you know, principals come in and we're going to be giving some training to them about, you know, school violence because that's also a huge issue because schools are also a workplace. And that kind of, we're now seeing that a lot of people are taking interest in, in how do we keep our people safe, but from a professional point of view, because it's always been in South Africa traditionally, you know, guns, guards, and gates. If there's a security issue, it's security's problem. And we, you know, we expel or fire people who are a problem, which isn't a, is a safe, is not a safety solution. And that's kind of where we are today, where we've, you know, we've been having as an, as an association, AFTAP, um, having, you know, webinars kind of almost on a three weekly basis for people to listen to various topics from domestic violence in the workplace to, you know, good old fashioned unhappy employees to make concerning statements to customers to you name it. I want to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the importance of organizations looking after the threat that's posed Mm -hmm. towards whistleblowers. We'll be back straight after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. I'm in conversation with Gerard Labuskakhni, um, very well known for his books, The Profiler Diaries, and of course known as one of South Africa's foremost criminal profilers. Before we went to break, I mentioned I want to chat to him about the risk posed for whistleblowers. Gerard, we've seen a lot of attacks on whistleblowers, that whistleblowers are now very afraid to come forward, and a lot of the attacks don't emanate from inside the organization they work. It may be from outside. It may be as a result of a procurement investigation and a supplier now has bad feelings towards that whistleblower. Mm. What should companies be doing and how would AFATAP tackle something like this in respect of a policy or a procedure for organizations? Yeah, so, I mean, what I think a lot of organizations seem to forget is that you know, you have a responsibility to keep your employees safe if that problematic issue stems from their work environment. So, you know, if someone's a whistleblower um, or an investigator into potential corruption, etc., you know, that the employer has a responsibility to, to make you to make you safe. And I mean, I think it was last year that the Code of Good Practice for the Prevention and Elimination of Harassment in the Workplace was re- released by the Labor Department. And they define harassment very broadly to, to mean actually physical violence. So, you know, whether you are, I mean, I've had cases where you've had a, um, a journalist who's a news reporter and because of her, you know, presence on TV, she started to get a stalker. Now the guy never came to the place of work and the guy never stalked her, for example, on her work cell phone. And the company said, well, this is not our problem. You know, he was talking outside of the workplace, but because of a position in the organization, we said, but actually you do have an onus. It's not just what takes place on your premises. It's got to do with, is it related to your work? Um, and is it while you're performing your duties off your traditional work site that the company does? And, and in fact, even these issues now with people working from home, issues of domestic violence that take place in your, in your home environment, because if you're telling people work from home, 
actually, it'll be very interesting to see where does the employer's responsibility lie in terms of keeping you safe in your work, in your home place, if that is your workplace. So, you know, we have to forget that we have that responsibility to keep people safe. So whistleblowers who are receiving threats, we can't just say, well, report it to the police. It's not the, as ironic as it sounds, it's not the police's job to keep you safe. Their job is to investigate crime. And that's different to keeping you safe. So they're not going to give you close protection, you know, bodyguards, et cetera, et cetera, and put someone outside your home. So the employers actually realize that you have, they have to take the responsibility. There was even, um, Churchill versus the premier of Mpumalanga where an HR lady was assaulted by fellow workers one day during a, a protest. These workers were protesting at the workplace. She was about going about doing her day to day duties as an HR lady. And they kind of grabbed her and assaulted her and, her, and, and, and gave her a hard time for about an hour. And originally the workplace's attitude was, well, that's a compensation from the, what, COIDA, Compensation from Occupational Injuries and Diseases Act. You do a, you claim from that compensation, not us. And the court said, nope. That's not, her job as an HR person is not to be, you know, it doesn't involve her getting assaulted. If you're a security guard, yes. If you're a detective, an investigator, yes. It's kind of in line with your job description that something like that might realistically happen. And they actually said, no, she can actually sue the, um, the, the, the premier of the province for damages, et cetera, et cetera. And she was allowed to sue them for quite a few million. So I think that it's a changing landscape when employers realize we have to actually take responsibility. Even, for example, you know, if, if one of your employees breaks up with her boyfriend or, or husband or whatever, and now he starts to give her problems and harass her in, in, in a workplace, that actually is a workplace issue. And you still have a duty to keep your employees safe and fellow employees who might be injured or harmed or psychologically impacted by this ex-boyfriend coming to reception downstairs and, and causing a problem. So I think for me, that's a bigger issue. It's a workplace violence issue. And of course, your your whistleblowers are going to fall completely into that section. Um, if you're reporting stuff and it's related to your work, and you start to then get problems, that is your employer's responsibility to keep you safe. And they can't just push it off onto the police and say, you know, open up a criminal case because that's not keeping you safe. You raised a very interesting point, and that is the fact that contact crimes are so prolific at this point in time. What needs to be done to be able to curtail this? We're speaking about what needs to be done by an employer, but it seems like across the board there's a rise, be it through a crime that's been committed, be it through GBV, or even be it through people that are striking at their place of work. There was that horrific incident, I think, last or the year before, where the Clover risk manager was murdered by striking mm. workers. How do yeah. we start curtailing this risk of contact crime? Sure. I mean, that's a difficult, and, and as a general question, that's a difficult one. You know, we would always look at the, at the issue of how foreseeable was this in our environment. If we are in an environment where this ton of stuff happens, that's even more of an onus on the employer to have preventative stuff in place to stop it and keep people safe. Because you can't just say in court, oh, it's part of the job. That's going to be the death knell. Because I'll say if it's part of the job, it means you knew that this was an issue. Uh, so what have you done about it? Because it's about, was this foreseeable? So there will be things that are foreseeable because of the climate, the context, but then there'll be things that are not as foreseeable, like, as I said, the domestic violence situation where the boyfriend rocks up downstairs suddenly and, and starts to cause hassles and problems. But from that point on, it is your problem as an employer to ensure the safety of your employee on the premises. Not to say, listen, sort your private nonsense out, don't let it come into the workplace. That's not going to be good enough in court because it has now appeared in the workplace. And the last thing you want is people to be fearful about bringing the personal stuff. You, you, you know, the worst scenario is this lady has taken out a protection order because she fears for her safety, but she's too scared to tell her employer to say, I actually have taken out a protection order because you're not, you're not allowing the workplace to be prepared 
for potential harm that could happen to any one of your employees. So it's really difficult to say the general crime sphere versus stuff that we do see and are seen or that is foreseeable. You know, the, the normal crime stuff, we could say, in general, you have to have certain security principles and procedures in place. Um, but the more likely it is that this stuff is going to happen, the more expectation is that you should have something there to prepare. And then for the unfe- unforeseeable stuff, it should be a case of who do I report this to in my organization and how seriously will it be taken? And that takes me to a very important point. An organization like AFATAP prepares people and their organizations for threats. Who within an organization should be preparing for those threats and should, by extension, be part of AFATAP? So, so what we typically say is that, you know, people often say, well, that's security's problem, not mine. It's not an HR problem. It's not an EHW, employee health and wellness problem. It's not managed. You know, we just kind of push it off onto security. And that's, that's sort of unfair because specifically if, you know, very often the, the problematic person is one of your employees, you know, and, and that means there's even more of an onus for HR to be involved, employee health and wellness. So we typically say that dealing with workplace violence is actually a multidisciplinary approach. Security obviously is an absolutely essential part of it, but it's, it's, it's internal legal. It's HR. It's employee health and wellness. It's if you have ethics officers, depending on your, your organization, how they break things up. You know, they're all actually part of this procedure. And then of course, say professional threat assessors. So what we're trying to get the message is that it is a workplace problem. Uh, it is going to be your problem specifically if you don't do something about it. Um, these things are happening. It's not about mass shootings. It's about the other 99.9% of the issues that we see taking place in the workplace. And you have to have a proper system in place. And you also have to have a policy that actually says to your employees, we want to know about these things as early as possible because it's much easier for us to help you if we know about them as early as possible and not 10 steps down the line when now we actually have a violent incident taking place in the workplace. Because that's when you hear things the next day like, but we knew Johnny had an issue or we knew that she'd been getting threats for the past six months. And you're like kind of asking people, but why did you, why are you bringing this out to our attention after the fact when something horrible has happened? It would have been really helpful to know about these things six months ago or five angry emails ago, because then we could have stepped in and try and resolve this much earlier. So it's about preventing things, not reacting. It's not a crisis response scenario. It's about crime prevention. Uh, is actually what we're talking about. So, so organizations like AFTAP, you know, we have regular webinars. As I said, we've got the conference that's taking place in November. Um, we have, of course, membership where you get access to, you know, the journal of threat assessment and, and, and a sort of a networking resource. And what AFTAP really is about as a nonprofit is to get that message out there to people that workplace violence is here to stay. It's probably going to get worse. And you really do increasingly have legal responsibilities to protect your employees, whether you're talking about, you know, the Occupational Health and Safety Act, or the Code of Good Practice from the Prevention and Elimination of Harassment in the Workplace from the Department of Labor, or the common law, or certain law criminal case or law cases that have been passed going through our courts and going through the Supreme Court, there's increasing an expectation that you actually have to do something preventative to keep your people safe. And saying it's not my problem is no longer good enough. And that's really about getting the message out there and as an education resource um, to people out there that hey, we need to start actually looking at this. And it's not just a security issue. It's, like I said, HR, uh, employee health and wellness, legal, um, ethics, etc. Well, it's a given that we live in a violent society and organizations such as AFATAP can assist in, in, in perhaps not necessarily neutralizing the risk, but limiting it. How do our listeners get in touch with AFATAP? We've got the website, www.afatap.africa. That's, you know, people, I guess people want to become members or they want to see what um, sort of webinars we have. So we have, you know, we're slowing down the, uh, towards the conference uh, in terms of our webinars. We've got one more left, which is about um, 
data breaches and data, data hacks in South Africa and the legal responsibilities of organizations when that happens. So we have Prof. Dario Milo speaking this Thursday, actually. And then we're probably going to have one more next week, on, uh, which is a bit off topic from our usual stuff, which will be kidnapping of children. Uh, so Colonel Aaron Stratum from the South African Police will be speaking about that topic next, next week, Thursday, 2 o'clock. This week's webinar on data breaches is also Thursday at 2 o'clock by Prof. Dario Milo. And that typically is where we'll advertise what's lined up in the future. So some of them, there are very strictly workplace violence, and sometimes it's got a peripheral issues like the two I've just mentioned now. And that'll have membership info, upcoming events info. What also is nice is a lot of these webinars, we get permission from the person, the presenter to record. And then that becomes part of our library bank of pre-recorded webinars that members have access to. You know, they can watch literally hours and hours and hours from terrorism and radicalization. Uh, we've had talks on that to, you know, domestic violence in the workplace, to, you know, mental illness and uh, domestic and, and threat assessment, et cetera, a whole wide range of probably, I think, about 20 topics that we've had previously from local and amazingly local and international speakers. Gerard, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're looking forward to hearing more about how the, the conference went. So we're looking forward to the report back, that conference happening in November. And you can find out more at afatap.africa. Thank you so much, Gerard. Thanks, Chad, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Gerard Lobuskakli is also the author of The Profiler's Diary and The Profiler's Diary 2, one of South Africa's foremost criminal profilers, clinical psychologist, and an advocate of the High Court.